Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a vodcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted and privileged to welcome a very, very accomplished leadership individual coach from New York, Mr. Todd Churches. Todd, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ash. It's great being with you across the globe. Thank you. Uh, Todd is the CEO and co-founder of Big Blue Gumball LLC. He's the founding partner of the Global Institute for Thought Leadership. He's an adjunct professor of leadership at NYU and lecturer on leadership at Columbia. He's been ranked number 35 on the Thinkers 360 list on the top 50 global thought leaders. Wow. And he's been awarded and felicitated several times. Todd, what an impressive uh, journey you've had but let's thank you uh, thank you wonderful let's it took start. me a long time it took me a long time in my career to uh to find my niche and uh one of the things i always say to my students is that we're we always use the phrase to be on a career path as if mm-hmm. it's a walk in a park i said my career is a career roller coaster because i've had many ups and downs twists and turns highs and lows oh absolutely um, but i finally found my sweet spot after uh many years of terrific. working jobs. terrific so let's start with talking about big blue gumball llc tell me about this venture sure big blue gumball is my company um it represents the world so the world i don't know if you have gumballs in india little, little candies uh, we do, that you chew we on. do. okay so not everyone knows what they are but um, Big Blue Gumball is a metaphor. We do a lot of work around metaphor and storytelling mm-hmm. and visuals. So um, the world to us is like a big blue gumball. So it's, it represents the world, the earth, the globe. And we specialize in helping make the world a better place, one mm-hmm. manager at a time and one leader at a time. And to us, everyone is a leader. So that's our starting principle. Um, and so we do management, leadership, consulting, training, and coaching. That's our, our area of specialty. Very interesting. And, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about your patented visual leadership methodology. And I see your book just behind you. So we'll also talk about your book. Great. Yeah, I have a few copies on the shelf behind me. Um, yeah, it took, it was many years in the making for, uh, you can, you can see I have a lot of books on the shelves behind me. So I'm Are these all your big, books? Uh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Those okay, are books okay. written by many friends okay. of mine. Um, mm-hmm. I started developing the habit of reading business books way back in 1998 when I was working for the American Management Association. And I was reading three to five a week at that time as because it was part of my job. And I just continued that habit. So I've been reading one business book a week for the last 22 years. Wow. So I've read over 1,100 business books, mainly around management, leadership, and communication. Mm-hmm. So um, many of them are behind me. The ones that are facing out were all written by friends of mine. So I like mm-hmm. to to focus. To, in fact, John Baldoni's book, Grace, you could see it right yep, here. Yep, I know you yep. had John Baldoni on your show. Yeah, just recently. over your shoulder, yeah, I know. And he's the one who introduced us. So okay. visual leadership is about the application of visual thinking to the world of leadership. Mm-hmm. So it's I break it down to four different areas, using visual imagery and drawings, using meta, mental models and frameworks, mm-hmm. using metaphor and analogy, and using storytelling and humor. Mm-hmm. So when you do those things, when you use those techniques, you can get people to see what you're saying. So I always say that the, the, the key challenge in the business world, in, in the world in general, is how do you get an idea out of your head and into someone else's head so that they can see what you're saying? And that's the foundation. And that's what visual leadership is all about. I break it down into those chapters or those sections. And then I talk about um, numerous ways to do that. Wonderful. And is your book available on Amazon and the other digital platforms? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay. 
Wonderful. So, uh, Todd, give me an example of uh, the power of visual thinking and visual communication. Right. Well, one example, there's so many. So when you ask that question, the million just popped into my head all at the same time. Um, one of them that just I was just talking to someone about the other day, I have a chapter called Ice, Rice, or Mice. Mm-hmm. So one time I was in a restaurant and I asked, for, and I said, because my drink was getting warm, I asked the waiter, can I have some more ice? Mm-hmm. And he brought me a bowl of white rice. Okay. Right. So I said ice. He heard rice. Mm-hmm. So I, and I always say, you know, a good thing I didn't say, can I have some mice? Or he mm-hmm. might have brought me some actual <laughs> mice, little rodents. Um, right. I'm just kidding around. But the whole idea behind that is how can we, when I communicated in words, I wanted one thing, he gave me something else. But whose fault was that? Right. Mm-hmm. Is there anything I could have done differently? If I had picked up my glass and I mm-hmm. said, can I have some more ice? He would have known that exactly what I needed, but they sound so similar that he filtered it through his lens thinking, oh, this is what you must need. So think mm-hmm. about all the time. And this was just a bowl of rice and I needed some more rice anyway. So that was totally mm-hmm. fine. But mm-hmm. think about if it was a bigger issue. Right. Think about times that you ask someone for something and you think they heard you, they think you know they heard correctly, and then you get something completely not what you wanted, right? So it could be very costly. So one of the things I would say is, can you visually show someone what you want and need in such a way that it, it, there's no doubt, right? You have complete clarity and you can close right. that feedback loop. So that's just one example of if I had pointed, if I had, you know, there were other ways of getting your idea across. So that's just one of you know, millions of examples of how we could use pictures or imagery or gestures even to um, get someone to understand what we're saying. Fascinating. And uh, this would, I guess, become even more compounded across cultures in different countries. Definitely. Um, and that was an example of in a restaurant. Um, but I have many of my clients and many of my students come from other countries and speak mm. other languages. So um, my PowerPoint slides are very visual. For example, many of my students um, in my NYU graduate class in leadership in the human resources management program, mm. many of them are from other countries, a lot from China, many from India and other places. So but when, so when you have a PowerPoint slide that's a visual as opposed to just text or no slides at all, people can, it just, it just improves communication. I always say it improves three areas, attention, comprehension, and retention. And I talk mm-hmm. about this in my TED talk on the power of visual thinking. Mm-hmm. When you use visuals, when you use pictures, when you use visual language or metaphor, first of all, it captures people's attention because it's more interesting. Secondly, it increases comprehension so people can understand what you're saying. And Mm -hmm. thirdly, it increases retention because people will remember better if you use visuals or visual language than if you didn't. So those are, I would say, attention, comprehension, retention. Those Mm -hmm. are three powerful reasons why visuals are so um, effective in getting our ideas across, especially across cultures and language barriers. Mm, Fascinating. So, uh, you know, uh, a very large number of our viewers and listeners are under the age of 34. In fact, 74% of our viewers and listeners. And for them, I want to ask you, what are some of the leadership qualities that you think a leader who runs a large company should have? Uh, I mean, there's so many, but one of them that really jumped out at me is always keep learning. As as I mentioned, I'm a a big reader, right? If you stop and say, oh, I already know everything, or I've read that one leadership book, so I know everything there is to know about leadership. Um, One of my sayings is that in an ever-changing world, if you're standing still, you're falling behind Mm because the world is spinning and the world is changing faster than we can keep up with it. One of the sayings out there um, um, is VUCA, V-U-C-A. 
the world is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, right? So okay. things are changing and moving so fast. If we don't keep learning daily and changing daily, mm. we're, we're going to become a dinosaur. We're going to fall behind. So that's what I would say to everyone, regardless of age, but especially young people, because a lot of my students think, oh, I'm done with school. I'm done with read. I never have to read a book again, or I'm done with learning. That's just the beginning, right, of the next stage of your career. Mm. Marshall Goldsmith, um, who's a friend of mine and, and a guru of mine, he wrote the book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. It's right above mm -hmm. my head. And it's centered right there because I refer to it all the time. Mm -hmm. What got you to where you are will not get you to where you want to be unless you keep learning, growing and changing. So that's what I would advise people is you got to keep learning. Fascinating. So now let's move to uh, the Global Institute for Thought Leadership. Uh, tell me about the areas that this uh, institute focuses on. Sure. Well, it's two things. One is it's a thought, it's a it's a leadership think tank. So it's mm -hmm. a group of people who get together and exchange ideas, uh, all thought leaders, authors, etc., talking about ideas related to leadership. And secondly, it's a business consortium where we share leads with each other, partner with each other. And we just launched not that long ago, about six months ago. So we're just now in our infancy. Mm -hmm. But the whole purpose um, is to support one another as thought leaders and for business generation. So um, when the pandemic hit here in New York last March, in March of 2020, we were all at home, right? And we were on social media or Zoom. Those were only, our only ways of staying connected mm -hmm. to the world. So um, this guy, Peter Winnick, who's the thought leader of thought leaders, he basically started this community and he just put it out there. He didn't know who would show up. And many of us showed up. In fact, that's where John Baldoni and I connected. Uh, although I've been reading his books for, for 20 years or more. Um, mm -hmm. And then a group of us from that group formed this, what we call GIFT, G-I-F-T, um, uh, Global Institute for Thought Leadership. And we meet and we share resources and, uh, and we exchange ideas. So that, wow. that's what it's all about. Wow. So when, you know, when I was reading about you, uh, an interesting phrase came up, which is that if it, takes, if it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a tribe to change the world. Mm -hmm. Help me understand this with an anecdote. Yeah, an I mean, example. that's one that, that's actually the saying. It's not my saying, but it's, the, it's one of our mottos at the Global Institute for Thought Leadership. Basically, we can't do it alone, right? We, we think we can, or um, there's that saying by the uh, anthropologist Margaret Mead, where she said, never doubt that a small group of committed people mm -hmm. can, can change the world. That's In fact, that's the only thing that ever has. So it really is the fact that we need to rely on each other, support each other, um, be resources for each other. Um, there's a lot of competition, but there's also collaboration, right? Mm -hmm. So once one of the sayings I love, this is not my metaphor, but I love this one. Instead of trying to get um, a bigger piece of the pie, mm -hmm. make try to make the pie bigger, right? Okay. So that everyone gets a nice mm -hmm. size piece, mm -hmm. right? So just try and right there, that's a visual metaphor, right? You can literally picture that in your mind, cool. right? Cool. So I think that's the thing. It's like, it's all about, respect it's all about empathy and compassion it's listening it's looking at things from multiple perspectives mm -hmm. um the color the cover of my book has this rainbow eye on it yeah and the rainbow represents the fact that no one in, just as no one in the world has this color eye no one mm -hmm. i've ever met that re reminds us that i'm sorry the, the sun just came shining into my mm -hmm. um that reminds us that no one in the world sees the world through the same lens that you do Correct. So we need to, what I call, flip the eye, turn it around on ourselves, look mm -hmm. internally at our own values, biases, belief systems, and assumptions, 
and then try to see the world with empathy and compassion through the lens of others and then collaborate with them so that everyone is more successful. So I think that's one of the concepts. That I Amazing. So let's talk a little bit now uh, about the pandemic and how it has impacted everyone in the world. But my question to you is, uh, how has the pandemic affected talent in the corporate world? Yeah, I mean, it's really shaken things up. And um, one of the things I say is years ago, when we would talk about the future of work, the future of work was like three to five years down the road. Mm -hmm. Today, the future of work is next week because no one knows what's going to happen. No one knows what's going to expect, right? Well said. Um, the, the pandemic really changed the way. We went from everyone working in offices or most people, many people, to mm -hmm. everyone working from home, right? And then now it's this mix, this chaotic mix of some people at home, everything's in negotiation now, right? Some companies will say, well, we want everyone back starting next mm -hmm. week. And then the employees are like, well, I'm not going. I don't feel mm -hmm. comfortable or I'm not ready yet. And then in different parts of the country, different parts of the world, depends on how the pandemic is doing. Some people are safer than others. Some people are more at risk than others. So it really has caused, well, like, you know, three Cs, chaos, confusion, and conflict, mm -hmm. right? Because it's changed everything. And I just read a blog, a, an article for Inc. Magazine called, Are You Ready for the September Shuffle? It's hard mm -hmm. to believe September is almost over already. Mm -hmm. But with the idea behind it being, um, when we hit September, uh, when the summer was over here in the U.S., everything started getting all crazy, right? Like everyone's just trying to figure it out right now. So the pan pandemic, when it hit New York in March of 2020, mm. um, everyone thought, oh, this will be just a few weeks or maybe a month. Mm. Interesting. It's a year and a half later and it's still going and it's still something. So it really has just shaken things up. So I think leaders okay. more than anything else need to be agile, flexible, um, empathetic and compassionate and mm. realize that everyone's going experiencing this in different ways, but mm. it's really made things more challenging, but it's also opened up many new opportunities for people. Correct. And, you know, uh, that's an interesting segue to my next question, which is that, you know, uh, working from home partially and some people working in the office, how does uh, a leader manage such a diverse uh, scope you know, area of uh, workplaces yeah it's very challenging for leaders i mean people are still wrestling with that that's my main focus right now in my management leadership training and coaching is helping people navigate this new reality um there used to be something called mbwa managing by walking around right yeah. where managers would get out of their office and stop mm -hmm. by people's desks and say how's your day going or come on in and let's talk you can't do that if no one's in the office, right? Mm -hmm. You can't do that if people are at home. So as a leader, how do you do that? How do you create that same connection um, with people? Um, there's also proximity bias, right? If some people are in the office and other people are at home, who's going to get the attention? Who's going right. to get the promotions? Mm -hmm. In many case, cases, it could be out of sight, out of mind, right? So if you're working from home, how do you, or not only WFH um, working from home, but WFA mm -hmm. working from anywhere, mm -hmm. right? You could mm -hmm. be doing a job in New York, but still, but based in India, right? Uh, you know, you, as long as you deal with time differences and you have the technology uh, to do so. So mm -hmm. it really cre has created this complexity uh, for leaders to deal with um, that, that, again, has opened up new opportunities because you could hire someone. Your talent pool is not limited to the people locally to your town mm -hmm. or city. You could hire someone from another part of the world now, right? right. So again, how do, we how do we frame this in a positive way and find the benefits, but it is something that we uh, leaders are really wrestling with right now. Fascinating. So let me now ask you a question on you uh, being ranked number 35 on the Thinkers 360 list of the top 50 global thought leaders. 
tell me about uh, this uh, institution and uh, the, the indices that are used for for you to get such an amazing ranking in the world. So thank you. There's a, there's a couple of organizations. One is Thinkers360, and on that list, they have different categories, and I just happen to um, get that honor of being ranked. And then also for Thinkers50, which is considered the Academy Awards of mm-hmm. Management Leadership, I was also had the honor of being ranked in the top eight in the leadership wow. category. Mm. So that was a very huge. And I just did a webinar for them a couple of days ago, which was great with the founders. So that was amazing. So I think, again, as I mentioned earlier, years ago, mm-hmm. um, what drove me into management and leadership is I had, I hold the world record from the most bad bosses that anyone's ever had in their okay. life and in their career. Okay. So what happened was I started reading all these management and leadership books saying there's got to be a better way to manage and lead people mm-hmm. than the way I was managed and led, which is basically just people being bossy and telling you what to do. And sometimes mm-hmm. even worse, I had a boss. I write about in my book who threw a box of pens at my head because they were not the ones she wanted. She literally just threw them at me. So I said, there's got to be a better way you know, to manage and lead with empathy and compassion. So I made it my mission to start reading all these books and discovering. And there's a lot of great leaders out there. So that's how I would kind of the bad bosses is what drove me into discovering. And I developed this passion. I said, you know, how can I help change the world and make it a better place through better leadership. And that's why I teach at NYU in Columbia. That's why I do what I do as an executive coach. I'm trying to help people. So if I can help one person be a better leader, they can help a hundred or a thousand people be more effective in their career. So that's kind of what drove me into doing this is my own career experiences. And I worked in the entertainment industry for a number of years before I got into management and leadership, which is kind of how my visual leadership methodology evolved from thinking about the world as a TV show or movies um, and, and the use of the application of storytelling and imagery to the world of management leadership. Incredible. But I, now I have to ask you this question based on what you said. For, again, for all our young viewers and listeners, how does one manage a bad boss? That is one of the toughest challenges there is. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the things I say is reframe it in this way. Your number one job is as as an employee is to help make your boss and your company successful and effective. It's not about you at that point, right? So if you just forget that, you know, am I going to get the promotion or the corner office or the the title on my business card, right? It's not about that. It's about doing good work. It's Mm -hmm. about being willing to roll up your sleeves and raise your hand and say, I'll do it, right? Don't look at any task as beneath you. A lot Mm -hmm. of times people say, well, I have a master's degree. I shouldn't have to make coffee or do the filing. Just look at everything as a learning experience. Be a yes type of person. Um, And then you become like the go-to person for things. So once in my early part of my career, I did a lot of menial tasks. But Mm -hmm. people would say, oh, Todd's very efficient and effective at that. Let's give him more responsibilities. Or I would raise my hand, even though I'm an extreme introvert, which people are surprised about because I talk loud and fast, but that's just because I'm I'm a New Yorker. Mm -hmm. But I'm an extreme introvert. So, But I forced myself to go out of my comfort zone. And that's when you go out of your comfort zone into the zone of the unknown, Mm. that's where you learn. That's where you grow, right? That's where you challenge and push yourself. So that's what I would say to people is try things. You know, you're going to fail. Don't say, you know, if you try to be a perfectionist, then you're never going to take risks. Einstein Mm. said, anyone who has ever, who has never made a mistake has never tried anything new. It Mm. just comes with the territory. So if you go in, you want to minimize those mistakes and you want to learn from them. Nelson Mandela said, I never lose. I either win or I learn. Right. Mm-hmm. So look at everything. So you can see learning is a key theme in my life. Right. And what, cause I, I just realized now how many times I've mentioned the word learning, 
look at everything as a learning opportunity and that's how we grow and get better. Fascinating. So Todd, I'm now going to move to the last segment of our conversation. All our viewers and listeners love to uh, get to know the guest a little better. So I have time for two or three questions for you. Okay. Uh, my first question is, what would you say are three key milestones or pivot points in your life or your career? I'm sorry, say that again because you broke up just slightly. What would you say are three key milestones uh, or pivot points in your life or your career? Hmm. There's so many, so let's say three, but the first one that popped into my head, and I talk about this in my TED Talk, Mm -hmm. is when I was 30 years old mm -hmm. and my company sent me to China to oversee a project. So mm -hmm. I was hired by this company. We made theme park rides and attractions in Los Angeles. I'm from New York, but I lived in LA for 10 years. Um, we produced them there and then we shipped them overseas. And I was a coordinator. I just figured, oh, I'd sit at my desk and do my job. But the project manager was, was promoted. So they made me project manager and say, oh, you have to go over to China to oversee the installation. Now, I didn't even have a passport. I had never been out of the United States before. I had a fear of flying. So I'm like, I can't believe they're doing this. So I was terrified okay. and I got there and it was, it ended up being a career and life-changing experience. Just again, had I not forced myself to do mm -hmm. that and push myself, I would not have had that amazing learning experience that I'm still talking about all these years later, mm -hmm. right? So that was, that was one. Um, moving back to New York, um, I would say doing my TED talk was a huge experience mm -hmm. because, um, you know, you see these, you, you, you know, that red carpet and the TEDx sign are so intimidating, right? Um, but I, I applied five times. This is another thing, be resilient and be persistent. I applied mm -hmm. five times and got rejected before I finally got accepted to do one. Okay. So mm -hmm. don't give up on the first or second chance. Just keep trying, keep refining and fine tuning. Um, so doing my TEDx talk was an amazing experience. And then getting my book published last year after thinking about it and talking about it. And I had 2000 pages of content accumulated. Every time mm -hmm. I had an idea, I'm like, oh, that would be a good thing for my book. And then people kept saying, you read all these books, but when are you going to write your own? Um, and to, to get not only to write it, but to get it published by a major book publisher was um, to actually hold this book in my hand after holding, carrying it around in my head for 20 years mm -hmm. was an amazing experience. That's Almost awesome. surreal. Even now when I look at it, I'm like, wow, I can't believe, because when you talk about something for a long time mm -hmm. and it becomes a reality, it almost seems like imposter syndrome, right? Did that, is this, is this actually real? But it is. So it's That's nice to be able to enjoy other people's feedback when they read the stories and tell me what they like. Fascinating. Fascinating. So I have time for two more questions. Okay. The next question is who or what inspires you to keep doing such amazing stuff? Uh, my biggest inspiration is my wife. She's my biggest supporter, my biggest, uh, you know, she really boosted my confidence, like in terms of, you know, you can do this. Um, so it's really, we can't do it alone. It's good to have not only like people like the Global Institute for Thought Leadership, you have a think tank of ideas, but you need someone in your personal life who can pick you up when you're down and help you get through the obstacles because it's not easy and there's going to be fallbacks. And um, so that's what I would say. My wife would be the biggest one. And then a lot of the authors like Marshall Goldsmith, mm -hmm. um, who's, who formed the MG100, which is the global group of coaches, which I was right. just accepted into earlier this mm -hmm. year, which was mm -hmm. also on my list of amazing um uh, life-changing accomplishments. Fascinating. So I would say Marshall Goldsmith of the management, he actually reading his work is what made me want to become an executive coach. Mm. So I, I had never even thought of doing that, or I didn't really know what that was or how it worked until I discovered what he did. And I said, I think that's what I want to, want to what I want to do for Amazing. Amazing. And my last question to you, and this is again for the young people, 
Um, and I know you've spoken about leadership lessons, but my question to you is, what would your advice be to a young individual who's starting off on her or his journey in the corporate world? One is that, you know, a lot of times people feel like, oh, I need to pick a career. What am I going to do for a living? You know, I know people who are still, who are 70 years old, who are still thinking, what do I want to be when I grow up, right? So you're going to have multiple careers. Again, it's not a path, it's a roller coaster, and you're going to have ups and downs and twists and turns, but write it out and and learn from everything, try things. Um, I always wanted to work in the entertainment industry, but then I got a job offer from someone to work in the financial services industry Mm -hmm. for a fintech company. And I never thought I wanted to work for a Wall Street company, but I took that job and it was the, one of the best jobs I've ever had. I was hired to, run, to create and run their leadership institute. Mm. So even though it was a Wall Street company, they had a very cutting edge, fun culture. But I almost said no, just because I had blocked it out saying, oh, I don't, I don't want to work on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. But it ended up being an amazing, life-changing experience. If not for that, a lot of the things that happened afterwards, like my book, like teaching at NYU in Columbia, um, all the things that have happened since probably would not have happened, right? So we come to defining roles, you know, roads um, or paths um, in our life mm-hmm. or forks in the road and we need to make choices. And there's no one right or perfect choice. It's just a choice. But when you do, don't look back, just keep looking forward. Fascinating. Todd, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure and a privilege speaking to you. Thank you thank for you. talking to me about so many uh, leadership lessons. Thank you for telling me about your book, Visual Leadership. And thank you uh, for talking to me about thought leadership. Thank Thank you you again and good luck. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.